This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. We were started and we stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, once more, just to give the, um, the uh, general overview so that we know where we're holding, we have spoken about evolution in terms of vis-a-vis God as creator versus, versus the world creating itself, not versus, vis-a-vis the timeline. We had split the concept of evolution as having to deal with three different stages, uh, inanimate to animate, complexity within the animate, and the animate to man. And we had dealt with the last two, two or three shiurim dealt with from inanimate to animate, and now we want to deal a little bit with the within the animate type of uh, evolution. In other words, once we have that living cell, and leave that alone and let it begin to develop uh, into what we have as a full human being, the, um, it, 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 that's, that's one of, actually that's probably the main thrust of, of evolution is going from the first cell and simply making a more complex cell. Cells are proactive beings. We're not faced with all the problems of the inanimate and animate and within the framework itself of the um, beings, etc. Let's, first of all, um, let's understand we've spoken a little bit about the, um, where the evolution has come from. And briefly, a, the, the, the ability to develop an argument that is um, plausible to <coughs> counter the argument of the divine. So if I can show you that life can evolve from um, simple to complex, I don't need to have the divine in place. It may or may not have happened, but this theory, and what it does is it takes away the proof that you need a creator if you can do it yourself. The, the indicator that this is true, first of all, was um, the, the uh, fact that almost all living matter from the most complex being to simplest being is pretty much the same thing. We're all made of the same material, we're just like, imagine a bakery where all they do is sell pies, there's cherry pies, and there's lemon pies, and there's vanilla pies, but it's pies all the way, and the 99% of the ingredients are the same. Uh, genetic code is universal, and almost every single thing has a, um, the same code, very cl- it has the same code and, and, and a lot of similarity. That does seem to indicate something developing from a common background, one. Secondly, the fact that we can find many animals as we unearth different fossils that seem to fill in gaps with an almost continuous type of uh, pyramid of beings. Also, um, so, so that seems to indicate that there was a development. The fact that humans have some vestigial organs which seemed to indicate that this was, was still the unfinished product of an evolutionary process. The two that are um, most uh, readily available are the um, appendix, which causes us nothing but grief and is a vestige, and the bottom bone in the spine, which is just basically um, seems to be an atrophied um, tailbone. So those are... Um, a lot of the lines of thinking, plus um, we ourselves observe actually evolution. We see evolution in the process. Um, we know, we, 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 we see bacteria develop resistance to drugs. Um, Darwin observed birds that had adapted to whatever coloration um, they needed to, to survive, and other changes where the same species showed a, a fascinating variety that seemed uniquely adapted 
miraculous environment, which definitely seems to show that um, things change, things evolve, and they evolve in a way that is beneficial. Uh, butterflies have been observed that in, in places that the coloration changed from, from greenery to industrial, butterflies have changed along. So we actually do see evolution in front of our eyes, and does, not it, does it not make sense to extrapolate backwards? Those are basically the points that um, are made in terms in favor of certainly presenting it as a plausible, if not convincing picture of how things evolved. Now, um, how do we look at it? How do we understand it? The problem is, I guess, the, the, um, the, the line of argument presupposes that if God was a creator, he would act in a certain way. He would not be so, quote-unquote, cheap and make everything out of the same stuff. Man would be made out of man stuff, elven made out of elven stuff. If God wanted many different species, he would have zapped each one into place, and that's that, and elephant would be made of elephantness, and monkey would be made of monkeyness, and human made of humanness, etc., etc. That's an assumption that we put into... Um, the creating uh, the idea of creation. This happens to be one of the problems in general of um, when when uh, evolutionists or others actually <coughs> people that deal in theology they when they lay out the arguments they reason God's mind as if it would be their mind and the and and then. They say, well, if I were creating everything and I was all-powerful, I'd make everything unique. And the fact that it's just one thing and just a lot of little variations, it shows evolution. There's a Ramban in Chumash, and I'd like to um, kind of learn the Ramban, not going to learn it inside, but I'd like to um, bring it down, because the Ramban is a very fundamental Ramban in understanding the mechanism of creation the way we understand it. The Ramban says... It teaches the first three psukim. Breishis bar l'kimer sashmayim v'saaretz v'aretz ha'isus soyev avo v'choshav nisahom v'ruch al'kimer achefes al'tei amoyim and uh, and so on. So the Ramban says, and many of the Rishonim go along with this model um, for reasons that are not scientific as much as Torah reasons that. Creation had two phases in it. There are two words in Lashon Kodesh used to denote different um, stages of creation. The creation of something to nothing is called Bria. What? Creation of something from nothing. Uh, something from nothing, sorry, correction. Um, the creation of something from nothing is called Bria. And there was only one creation <coughs> of yesh and that he, he uses a Greek term homer hiuli which means primordial matter I guess um, he, he, to, um, to describe it's a, it's a Greek philosophic term but use it to describe that type of matter the, uh, that was the first thing created and the only thing created the second stage was this was tohu vavohu. It means completely uncontrolled, unformed matter. It was thing, but it's the, it, 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 using a mushroom, it's like the clay before the potter began to work on it. That's the first step, and that's called Breshis Bara Lakim, and Shemayim and Aretz, and everything was one matter. The second stage is in Hebrew called Yitzira which is to impose form and structure from the Lush and Tzura, and like the potter who begins to shape the clay. You make one thing into a teapot, and the second thing into a soup bowl, the third thing into a vase, and, and so on. That was the second stage, and that happened each day. Akadosh um, Baruch Hu did not create new things. Akadosh Baruch Hu took that primordial matter and made things out of it and imparted its tura. The reason for the Ramban's 
I guess hechreya um, for that is, um, and there's a morale that says a very similar thought in his way. The bria most nearly reflects Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And if Hakadosh Baruch Hu is one, that underlying unity reflects itself in the bria. And yet the bria, the creation is an extraordinary riot of different shapes and colors, etc., etc. So we have a, a problem here in terms of relating it to the unity of God and the manyness of creation. So the way in which it's understood as reflecting both elements is that at the core there is one creation and God was able to take one thing, like the potter taking the clay, and make anything he wanted out of it. You, you could make a, a bolted soup, and you could make a plate to eat something solid. You could make uh, a spear out of it to kill somebody, and you could make um, uh, uh, something to, to uh, um, a crutch to hold up somebody. You have the clay, and it can, anything can be made out of it. So the Bria itself consists of matter, which is one, and that's the underlying unity, and it consists of the multitude of tsuras imposed on top of it. And the truth is, even inanimate matter, it's something that, um, something I would think about, um, really all matter is the same, even all the elements I mean, the electrons, the, the protons, they're the, the same things. Depending on how it's structured, it's an extraordinarily different material. Um, whether it is inert or reacts with everything, whether it's hot, soft, nebulous, um, very, very dense, uh, r all of the properties are in the combination of the, of the primary pieces. Um, this is in, in, so in biology Akarish Baruch Hu started with one thing and by imposing slight changes, by imposing different changes from one Lego he was able to build the entire creation it, it actually reflects a, a certain godless of Akarish Baruch Hu, and more than that the way we understand Akarish Baruch Hu and his purpose in creation it is it fits that purpose extremely well that everything be uh, there be an underlying unity of all the material and distinctive extremely distinctive characteristics want to ask something please? the um, so so the argument that since everything is almost the same it must come from a common it, and, and that's true but it does not support evolution in any way more than it does um, a creator. You may say it allows for evolution. It makes more, you know, it means that evolution is a step, fine. But it certainly does not in any way indicate that more than, more than creation. Um, it's not, and, and the Ramban was not coming to deal with scientific issues or evolution. From a Torah point of view, he felt that this is the right reading of the Psukim. And from our theological point of view, where God's unity is the overriding element of divinity, um, the fact that creation has both unity and diversity imposed together is really a, a, a reflection way we would see it. If, quote-unquote, we were God, we ought to do it the same way. Um, the reasoning that God would have made different things is absolutely, um, has no basis in our understanding of God. That is, as far the the similarity of it, the fact that there are vestigial organs are very difficult. It, it, there's a there's a loss in the Gemara. Lo reino enaraya. I remember when the spleen was vestigial. Spleen did nothing. All the spleen did was misery because if you a spleen could bleed you to death, but it wasn't considered to be terribly important. People live very well without spleens, but if a spleen gets injured, it's bad. And people, um, when I was growing up, tonsils were considered to be extremely vestigial, and uh, it was considered to be almost as important as having a bris to get your tonsils out. 
uh, that was the wisdom that I grew up. I had him out at the age of six, and it was consider- I was a specimen of advanced medicine. And today, we realize that neither the spleen nor the tonsils are vestigial. They're important. Yes, you can live without them. You don't die if you take out the tonsils. You don't die if you take out the spleen. But they have a very important role, and uh, they, they, they help the body. It is not... Um, it, to say that appendix is vestigial because we can take out the appendix person who lives, it hasn't, it hasn't proven anything. And of all, in, in our entire body, these are the only two things that we really can, quote-unquote, say they're vestigial. And that's something... And occasionally we find something in an animal which we suppose to be vestigial. I, you know, vestigial means I have yet to find a purpose fit, and I'm not, I'm not sure how great a proof that is. If we would have a whole body full of stuff that seems to be you know, like the stuff you, that's left over in the attic when your grandmother dies, then we would say, okay, the body itself is extremely, extremely really well streamed machinery. Um, the same goes with the arguments that we could have designed a more efficient um, body. Certain things could be done more efficiently. Well, the question is, for instance, um, the fact that we stand on two feet is a terribly inefficient um, it's, it's, it's a very inefficient body. Um, you, you're balancing the body on two points instead of on, on, on a very solid ground, all four. And the only, the only purpose it has is if you want to eat bananas on a tall tree, you don't need to jump. But that's, again, that's supposing that the purpose of the body is to gather leaves and nuts. The fact that a person has a head that stands on top of the body and that that's Surah Sodom, and that's, that's very much uh, conceptual or miss, is not something that a scientist deals with. It's, it, it's not a science. So if we, if we were to design the so-called scientifically most efficient man, we'd have him um, on all four, and possibly a tail would be also helpful. But, but, but um, suicide is different. So the argument that a person's body has many faults in it um, many shortcomings designed, well, what is it designed for? It, it's, it's, it's like saying the factory is, has deficiency in its design because it's noisy and, and big and this and that and ugly. Well, what did you design it for? If Adam was designed to be a very efficient nut and berry gatherer, then yes, um, I'm sure we could do a better job. But that's not Suresh Adam, and therefore those type of arguments they just don't begin because you're presupposing what God should have had in mind and what our body should look like and then making an argument from that. Um, Another Nakuda which is very important to bear in mind um, in in, in terms of our Hashkafa. And again, we're talking about Chazal which predated the entire issue (coughs) of evolution. So these are not apologetics coming afterwards but our belief. Um, there is this thing about the embryo taking on different shapes of animals and kind of going through the thing until it becomes human. And I've, I've read conflicting opinions about how, how much is a projection of imagination and how much is true, but I, I want to, to deal with the entire thing, including the tailbone in the person, etc. There's a chazal that really is fundamental in understanding Adam. It says, Adam Arisha says, Achar v'kedem tsartani that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created me first and last. And Chazal say, Zoha, Oymrim Loi, you know, we, we, we say that he's the purpose of creation, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had him in mind first. Loi Zoha, we tell him, Yitush Kadamcha, the mosquito was there before you. In other words, a human being is unique in, as a biological entity and the ability for him to survive and cope he is less than a cockroach. He, he is, a, you know, he, he has, the cockroach preceded him because it, it, a person's pride is not, what makes him human has nothing to do with his body. So Chazal pointed out that the body of a person is animal-like. It has inferiority. It, it is inferior to animals. It is inferior in the order of creation. In terms of what makes a person human, Nothing in the world is at all human. It doesn't have any shaykhs for the person, and therefore <coughs> Adam is a malach. 
like Chazal says, the Zohar is counted amongst Malachim, not Zohar, the fact that the human body contains animal elements in it is very much part of what HaKadosh Baruch wanted. Adam is an animal mitzad his body, and is a Malachim mitzad his neshama, and it's up to him to decide which defines him. So, the, the, our approach to the fact that the person, that the human being is unique, carries within itself the understanding that there will be and there might be simonim that the body will actually, um, th- that, that the body will carry certain animal things. And it's not at all to me, um, it, it would not be alien to my thinking that the tailbone is there to remind the person that mitzad your body, you're a monkey without a tail. Um, I'm, I'm not at all sure that, and, and again, if, if we're trying to understand why God as creator would put that into a person if he doesn't need it, it, it is because a person is a, 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 a superior version. It, it's, an, it's not a superior version. It's another version of an animal. And it's only with the neshama that the person can pride himself and say, I am king of creation. The, um, there is also, now, as far as the etzim point of evolution, of, of, of evolution being able to explain the extreme complexity of the Bria, um, the argument falls extremely short. And, and let's explain why. The, um, it, 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 once again, let, let, me, um, let me reiterate, I'm not in any sense a scientist expert, but I, I, my hope as, a, as an intelligent being is to read and understand um, the arguments that are made and to try to, you know, without going to all the details, see the general sense of the argument. The, the adaptations we have, we do see evolution in front of our eyes. We see butterflies change colors to adapt to the environment. We see um, the, the bacteria develop resistance to all sorts of antibiotics. Um, we see skin color changes. Uh, people who raise their kids in, 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 in Israel, their kids tend to be more dark-skinned, and so on. There are changes that we witness on our eyes. Now, the, the, uh, and more than that, we actually have a mechanism for producing um, a speed-up evolution. Those are fruit flies. Fruit flies multiply, they're very fruitful, pardon the pun, and you get tons and tons of generations, um, and you can also uh, radiate them, no, no, there are no, the PETA has yet to defend fruit flies, so we can radiate them and produce mutations, things similar to what would happen if you, if you were able to do, um, if you are able to let evolution run for tons and tons and tons of eons. We're able of doing it. The, the things that we see is as follows. In, in very specific traits, there are um, changes. Um, but these are all very, uh, what, should I, what word would be, monolithic, um, linear traits. Uh, color, more pigment, less pigment, longer uh, foot, shorter foot. Um, th- these are all one of two things. Either the genes themselves have the ability to adapt to an environment. It's 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 very possible. And and again, this is not this is this is um, being explored. It is possible that the human uh, that the human cell has the ability to um, to, to respond to uh, to give feedback. In other words, a, a a colorful environment will trigger some sort of gene to produce more pigment, more color, etc. That's very possible. Also, um, natural selection, the butterflies that have more color, there is a, there is a clear <coughs> scattering of color, and the, the butterflies that are more colorful will be caught in London. The butterflies that look kind of gray and yucky will not be caught and blend into the environment and so on. Both mechanisms work very well. N- not only is it not a, a, a contradiction to... to Akash Baruch's creator, it, it's part of the flow of Sabori. Akash Baruch did not make frozen organisms, but there is a certain level of adaptation that gets built in. And people's sizes vary tremendously. 
Um, we're all much taller than a generation ago. It has to do with the food we eat, etc. Um, and there are other there are m- other changes um, in, in 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 the people how they react to heavy work, to pain, etc. All of those things are changes that a um, may be part of our genetic makeup, and b selection may be at work, and that's very fine. But there is absolutely no fruit fly has has gotten a new organ because of it. In other words, a longer hand or a longer foot is just like, for instance, certain illnesses come from the lack of a certain enzyme-producing gene that's, that, that hasn't been, you know, that, that is malfunctioning. Replace that gene and you get that enzyme. Um, that's the pigment, more pigmentation, less pigmentation. We can inject a person with a growth hormone and his hands and feet start becoming longer. So those are a simple process. The process of going from a hand to a wing, it includes so many steps that, that means that forever and ever something was walking around useless. A hand does not become a wing. They look the same to a kid drawing in a coloring book. They are, it's like saying a car becoming an airplane because they're both vehicles. It, it, there is no mechanism that we could explain, and we could talk in sweeping terms. Gradually, the the hand began to develop in a way that it now is able to fly. That that statement is rubbish because a hand to become a wing, it needs a whole new set of it 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 it, it, it needs a different type of bone and a shape, muscles and nerves that respond to it. Um, I would dare somebody to to, to let him play the god of evolution and let him map that out. Um, You know, show me for a thousand years there was webbing between the fingers. So the poor thing that had webbing between the fingers would have died because it it doesn't work well. It's very hard to to grasp fruits and nuts when you have webbing between your fingers. And then you gradually, the hand takes on a perfect aerodynamic shape. Wings, when you manufacture wings, they have extremely specific shapes. What makes an airplane fly is the shape of the wing. And and that shape is extremely, extremely controlled. Um, You need to develop muscles that flap it in the right way. You need to develop nerves that convey it, um, that, that have the right impulses, feedback from that, and so on. Those are things that boggle the imagination. And both hands have to become wings. We have not found, no fruit flies have really developed another organ because you can't, by massaging one gene or two genes, we've done very cute things. We've put pigments in and and luminescence and you can chop off a hand or a foot, you can go an extra foot, you you can play around with a fruit fly and have its foot grow in its head. But those are all, um, those are all very, very small changes. You don't, no organ, no organ developed. Um, and the burden of proof is when someone comes along and says, just like butterflies evolve different colors to fit their environment, and bacteria develop different things, it's to, to, to stop an antibiotic, you need to change one receptor on the on the outside of the of the of the of the cell. Those changes are one changes. Um, th- you're not talking about developing a, a, a whole a whole new system. And systems it, 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 to develop a system that's viable to go from a hand that is that is fully functioning to a wing that's fully functioning. It includes trillions of steps that have, that render it meaningless. Um, and the fact that we don't find continuous beings, the fossils are, are a fraction of what is imagined to have happened, and, and we don't find, it, there's, there's nothing found that even, that was suggested. You find animals, strange animals, and animals have all sorts of strange ways of coping, but each one is a completely functioning system, and it's important to remember it, and it's important to keep thinking. The problem is when, when we put these arguments into one, into one statement, it sounds reasonable until you start thinking about it. You, you read a statement, well, we've noticed so many changes, just projecting and giving it millions and millions of years, we can come up 
with a full change of an organ. And that sounds a very reasonable thing, but it doesn't make sense because p- pinpoint at the middle of those millions of years. Give me five million years after the change starts. And tell me what's happening. For a bird to fly besides the wings, it has to be able to have a navigation system. It's got to be able to, to figure out how to fly. I mean, if I buy you a plane, you still can't fly. You have to take lessons. Um, if, if I were to endow a bird with wings, the bird, it, it, it is extraordinarily difficult to, 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 to gauge currents and, and wind currents and to fly with it and to home in and to navigate. Um, it, it, you know, so it all happened together. And, and, and you're talking about systems that if one thing's wrong, it's a system that's complex, you know, with, with, with millions of entities. And if one thing goes wrong with it, the whole thing's kaput. To fly without knowing where to fly is, 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 um, is, is, is begging to be killed. That is, so, so, so now there's another, there is one more step in this process that's important to remember. And that is, l- l- let me explain something that I feel is misleading. And that is conceptual progression versus physical progression. Let's give a muscle. I walk into the bakery down, downstairs here. I walk into the pastry oven and I see, um, I see there a nut cake. Very nice nut cake, freshly baked, um, looks very good. I walk in the next day and it's, it's a similar nut cake, but there's, there's like a chunk missing. And I ask uh, Papi what happened and he says, well, it, it, a piece just broke off. Um, I guess it wasn't baked well enough and broke off. Um, plausible. Then I come back the next day and I see it's got cream on top. And I asked him, Papi, what happened? And he said, well, there was a cream cake on top of it. It fell down. Somebody accidentally pushed it, whatever it was. And it smashed and got cream over it. Okay. Um, I come in the third day and I see, um, I don't know, <coughs> I, I want to... I see a bug on it, and he says the bug found it, and it's on top of it. So at the end of the week, the cake looks very different than the beginning of the week. But it took a series of physical steps for it to happen by itself. And that, to me, is logical. It makes a lot of sense, because it's a physical progression and so on. But let's take a, let's take a different example. Um, I walk in there, and I see a cherry pie the first day. I come in the second day, and I see a lemon pie. And he says, you know, it's, they're both pies. They both have the same type of dough. The cherry pie evolved into a lemon pie. And I say, no. It is conceptually the same, but it's, there's no physical transition. In other words, if I say that two things are similar, and I'm going, uh, you know, a, a hand to a fin to a, to a wing, there is a conceptual similarity. When a person is inventing stuff, so the guy who thought of the car could have made a conceptual leap and said, okay, um, maybe we could make something to push it underwater. And instead of having tires, we'll have propellers. That is a conceptual evolution. It is not a physical evolution. And when the guy says, you know, you could push against the air, but I'll, I'm going to need a different type of propeller, and I make an airplane, so in the thought process, I, I can call it an evolution in thought. I cannot call it an evolution physically. A car can become a beat-up car physically. It can, it can, I can, you know, another wheel could get stuck to it. But a wheel to propeller is actually a, a conceptual leap. So when we say an eye mechanism is similar to this mechanism, yes, it's similar. It's similar if somebody's designing it, but... For it to develop, it's very different. Yes. To very clarify that point, basically what Rebbe's saying is, even if you want to look at the underlying structure, yes. it could be similar, but if you want to talk about evolution, that this over time right. turned into that through random right. mutations and natural selection, right. that is very difficult. Yes. In other words, a lot of times we're misled by the fact that two things are an honest progression in terms of, um, of of concept, but it, no physical progression. Uh, uh, you know, a, a monkey to a man carries a certain conceptual progression. It's primates, I think, that stand on, and so on and so forth. 
the fact that the world, the fact that the, that that we find a, a continuity of things from the simple to the complex, once again, it starts. It doesn't prove evolution any more than creation. We understand that a Kaddish Baruch who kept making the world. Creation was a process of going from the simple to the complex. It it proves no more evolution than it proves um, it, it creation. It, it's you know, by putting into God's mind, if God was, if I were creator, I would have just made the things I wanted to and skipped everything in between. Um, I know is is that what Akash Prabhu wanted? Um, w- our understanding is that it's 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 a it's a it's a um, Akash Prabhu is um, started from the simple and built up the complex. Uh, it's it's our understanding of how. We, we, we think of spheres, etc. It's, it's a process of going from simple to complex, and if it's not at all, it's a philosophy that you, you assume to be associated with evolution or creation. I, I, I do not think it's at all true. I want to finish with one more area, and this I think is in regards to this type of evolution. And this is probably the most important part of it, and the most difficult, in other words, with evolutionary theory. And that is as follows. We've hinted to it in terms of flying, and let's talk a little bit more about it in terms of everything. So much of what's there requires a bilateral evolution, a concurrent bilateral evolution. Let's take an example, like a simple example first. A child nurses at a mother's breast. Very simple, um, very natural. Um, it's it's it, 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 for that to have gone from a bird-like thing where the baby is born and he defends for itself, or the mother brings it food. We needed a bilateral development that went step and step together. Let's assume the mother developed breasts over millions of years with milk. With again. I mean, you're talking about an extremely complicated thing, but let's 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 grant that. The child needed to have a um, the babies needed to develop a sucking instinct that um, was was just right for breasts. And one day, when the first woman had her first functioning breast, the child needed to say, "Ah, oh, finally, been waiting millions of years for this." This certainly beats eating grasshoppers and all the little stuff that mom brings. Um, how did it all together? A, a male and female organs are extremely complex, and they have to work um, hand in hand. Everything's got to fit exactly in terms of the mobility of the sperm, in terms of, of a pH environment, in terms of every single aspect of it. If one thing is mismatched, there's no reproduction. These are two separate beings. And the, everything about it has got to match for it to work. So here we have two extremely separate beings, and, and they are hand-in-hand hand fit perfectly. Even, and this is going one step further, even a single organ in a person is, has a few elements. For instance, a hand. A hand requires that the muscles and the nerves and the bone and the blood vessels be in tandem. Um, you, you, if, if the nerves were not in the right place, we couldn't move our hand. We could grow all flesh we want, the bumps and, and, and all sorts of little, little uh, and, and all sorts of pieces of flesh can't be moved unless there are nerves there that are in the right place and give the right type of feedback, etc. Every single aspect of a person, for instance, um, and, and let's and let's uh, think about this. The eye itself is very very complex, and that is um, a, a something astonishing in its own right. The fact that you can come up with a cell that reacts to light is, pardon the pun again, light years away from what an eye is. But let's grant. Let's say the eye develops on itself. Fine. But unless the brain understands what the eye is seeing accurately, nothing is happening. It's, it's like you'd have a, 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 imagine taking, having a web camera, um, a digital camera, and no computer. 
you know, when you, when, when you paint the painting, it, it's, a, it's, it's a physical reflection of what's there. A digital camera without a computer is worth zilch. It, there, there is no image. It is not an image. There's, the image has to be interpreted by a computer. It's not like a film where if you wash it with the right chemicals, there has been light imposed on the film in the same shape. It's instructions. There are, I know a person who, Lolena was blind, a girl blind from birth. Her eye structure is 100% perfect. The problem lies in the brain because the brain, whatever's wrong, does not know how to interpret that. So you needed to have, if the eye developed, you needed to have the brain develop concurrently and so that, that one day when you had that cell that was that was that light made it light up, the, the the nerve the nerve that was there went to the brain, there was a piece in the brain that knew how to interpret light. Or else we we've been looking at ultraviolet light for the last trillions of years and we we, we don't react to ultraviolet light. It doesn't mean anything to us. We don't react to infrared. Um, and let's say somebody was to implant in us an organ. Let's say somebody was to paste us an organ we could, the brain wouldn't be able to interpret it. We need to be able to have, every organ of ours is not one, it's not like when I'm asking to make an existing organ longer, or change the amount of pigment, or the amount of insulin. When you're talking about a quantity of one specific element, that's doable. The same thing is true with every single, almost every single hormone or enzyme we have, they must come in pairs. If there's an enzyme that digests sugar, there's an enzyme that stops the process when we've digested too much sugar. There's a process that stores sugar and a process that releases sugar, a process that stops it. I, everything in the body works in checks and balances, and you can't develop one without the other. So, so we're asking for an extraordinary amount of coincidences of two completely separate things needing to develop concurrently. Um, did the man come first the world or the woman? Um, whose organs came first and waited a few million years for the other person's organs. It, it's incredible. So, so you go, well, it went in systems. It went, you know, we have similar systems. But again, that's always a conceptual a, a, a evolution. It's not a physical evolution, and it's very, very hard to understand. And if you tell me that the genes in them had in themselves instructions to produce organs, and if that was possible, the question is who put those instructions in the genes? That's even harder to understand than evolution per se. I'd like to finish um, the topic and th this particular topic with an article. I'm, I'm not going to read much of it, um, but it is something that fascinated me when I read it. We have a few more minutes. Um, let me tell you what this article is. And... Um, I don't know if it's available anymore. There was a science magazine in Israel called Mada, which means science. Um, it was put out by Mahon Weizmann. It, it's something like Scientific American. It, uh, an articles on a wide variety of disciplines. Um, it did not have any advertisements and no glossy pages, but I, I found the article to be extremely good. I liked it a lot. Like everything in Israel, it was subsidized by the government. The subsidized the subsidy died and the magazine died with it. So, but this is an article in Mada. It's 1983. Uh, it is volume 27, uh, number 6. It is an article by Professor Yaakov Galil, who at that time was 70 years old and um, was, a, uh, was the head of the botany department in Tel Aviv University. Uh, I assume I'm speaking in a um, past tense. It's uh, we're now 25 years later, so I assume he's in whatever. Um, he uh, got his doctorate in botany in 1954. Was head of the department from 1953. 1969 became a full professor there, and so on. And the article is in Hebrew. It's called Hateina Chanta Fageha, which is a play on the words of Shirim that the figs have blossomed, it's um, Pageha is the type of blossom unique to fig. Basically, the article is, is an extraordinary um, article about the reproductive process of the Picus family. Picus is Molossum fig, P-I-C-U-S, I assume that's it's, it's F-I-C-U-S, I think. Um, the article's in Hebrew, so I'm roughly translating. 
Um, it has the ficus family has approximately a thousand different species, and in all over the world. What's unique about it is that it has an extraordinary complex reproductive system. It cannot reproduce itself by pollinating itself. It cannot produce itself by cross-pollination because what happens is the leaves kind of form a closed ball, which eventually becomes the fig as we know it. And inside it you have the stamens and etc. And, and that's supposed to do the reproduction. So it relies on a wasp that is a um, that does the fertilization. Every single species has its own wasp that fertilizes it. It cannot be fertilized by a different type of wasp. The fertilization, the pollination, takes place in an extraordinarily five-step phase, which if any one of them goes awry, it is kaput. Basically, I'm not going to go through all the five stages. The five stages require the, um, the, the fig to be open, bring in the larva of the wasps, um, it, it then has to close, it needs a certain incubation period, it needs different types of, um, different types of uh, lengths inside of the stamen because you can't have the larva eat up all of it, it can only eat up part of it, and then it fills up with gas, it opens up slightly, it goes out. It needs, there's a five-step intricate process which is absolutely necessary for it to happen. So here we have, and, and, and you have, you need two types of blossoms because there also it, some will be completely destroyed by the lava and, and, and very, very complex arrangement how it works. Um, and he goes through it extraordinarily well, and it's ex very fascinating. So here again, you have a, a, a process of a plant and, a, um, and an animal that need to go hand in hand, and the timing, the internal timing of the wasp and the internal timing of the fig have to be perfect. And you're talking about structures. You're talking about structures. He describes structures inside the fig which need to have um, this type of um, th this type of interaction. He um, he goes through it. Uh, the Madat itself was a, a quite non-religious, or I don't say religious, but it, it certainly was a very very a-religious uh, magazine. And um, he explains how this is this is a, a classical example of bilateral evolution where two different partners evolve concurrently. So we gave it a name. It's called bilateral evolution. I, I, am, I, I, I was stunned by the article. It's just, it's just fascinating. It, it, you need a certain, type, you, a, a certain um, volume of carbon dioxide reaches, and then it opens. It forces open the plant. That's when it can escape. If anything goes wrong, either wasp would die or the figs would die. Um, what I am, what, what I always found extraordinarily fascinating in this article is the conclusion of the article. The ficus is an ex is a very very early plant, and it started um, more than a hundred million years ago. Um, the earliest example we have of these wasps that pollinated them are even earlier. Um, it is it is it is. It is very, very um, likely that the, um, the the partnership between the ficus and the wasp started at the very beginning of evolution for such a long time that it allowed for such a complex arrangement between these two organisms. And he finishes with a quote of extraordinary religiosity. And I must read it to you. The development of such a complex system um, moved Professor Corner, E.J.H. Corner, a famed researcher of the, bio, of the biology and, tax, and taxonomy of the ficus, to come to the conclusion, quote, the properties of these ficus um, 
show us the unlimited possibility of natural evolution. End quote, and ends the article with this religious statement. Um, I found it to be fascinating because evolution, A, is supposed to be simple. Things should evolve to a simple system, a, a system that needs such a convoluted, contorted, fadrated way it should have died of extinction. Th th that religious expression of the unlimited, infinite um, developments of evolution, it, it's almost as if evolution became a religion that nothing can test it. W whatever nisyonos you bring, um, this should have been something that says it, sh it really, really defies imagination, how something could have evolved by itself, stayed that way, and why didn't they do something much simpler, these, these, these fig trees um, and these wasps? B but um, but just to, st to you start the other way around. You say marabu masecha evolution, um, with, with such religious fervor. I I, I I found this to be extraordinarily uh, shocking. Kind of, it's it's like not only can't you ever test evolution and say it raises serious questions about it, but remosif emuna lamuna and dveikus and dveikus. The, the more Nisyonos, the more this. To, to me, that I, I, if anybody would like the article, I could send you a copy of it. It, it is written in technical Hebrew. You've got to have a reasonably good knowledge of technical Hebrew. Um, it's not big. It's about three pages. But it is, it is actually very, very... Um, it, it, it's a very, very nice article. Okay, so I think we finished today discussing um, this, the second phase of evolution and, and some points about it. And the next... Uh, a few times I like to speak about man specifically.